Today we are talking about conversational artificial intelligence, the type of AI that talks back to you. Systems built on huge amounts of data, machine learning, and natural language processing that create the experience of a real conversation. Now, chatbots and virtual agents are not new. If you've ever tried online banking or attempted to delete your Amazon account, you've probably had a chat with one. Where things get really interesting is when we step away from those classic examples and into uncharted waters. Welcome to Queen Mary's Legal Bites podcast. I'm your host, Amber, and joining me today is the Chief Customer Officer of Conversation Health, a company taking conversational AI and applying it to life sciences. It's the kind of AI that can give patients advice on how to take their medication and what to do if they've taken too much or too little. Richard Marcel, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you. Hello, Amber. Pleasure meeting you and uh, pleasure talking shop and talking conversational AI with you. Let's jump into our first topic, the current reality of AI technology. When people think of AI that can hold a conversation, sci-fi versions of AI they've seen in movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Her, etc, etc, are often the first thing that come to mind. From the perspective of someone working with AI chatbots, what is the reality of the current technology? Yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. I will say the we're still very much in the early days of proper, broader AI, although we've had significant, significant breakthroughs into machine learning, deep learning, uh, neural networks, not really, um, not yet, but ultimately, I think a ton more though in natural language processing. So I'd say in the context of Amber, I think in terms of real practical conversational AI, I think we've seen a significant leap over the last really five years, particularly Whereas early chatbots were clunky and early chatbots were mostly guided conversations. Today, one can in, engage an AI agent, a conversational AI agent, um, and, and actually have a fairly thorough response or engagement with them. Uh, we are nowhere near cognitive computing where the, the computer knows where, where, where it's at, has a human-like, proper human-like interaction, um, but we can engineer conversations and discussions that feel very real and very human. So I'd say still very early days, nowhere near her, nowhere near how, um, but significant progress having been made. And I I think the next five years are going to be completely transformational, um, full stop. I mean, it's always good to hear when people say we are nowhere near how. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nobody. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to be near how. Talking about uh, evil AI really takes us into our next topic, AI systems and managing liability. When lawyers talk about AI, the big question that comes up is liability. Who takes the blame when something goes wrong? When it comes to working with AI at Conversation Health, is liability still that big issue that dominates conversations? Yeah, yes, it is. And and rightly so. I'd say in life sciences, um, there are very complex medical, regulatory and legal requirements, right? So whether it's by user type, so think uh, talking to consumers different than talking to a patient different than talking to a healthcare professional. There are considerations for class of drugs, vaccines versus drugs versus medical devices. There are differences between lines of business, how a health professional engages with the clinical trials uh, portion or aspects of the business versus medical or scientific information versus commercial uh, 
is different. And of course, there's also market country, country level requirements, right? Typically, and I think adding to the complexity of all of that is typically as we, we, we develop and consider conversational AI agents for an organization, life sciences companies are very global, but we also have to meet the needs of both local and global requirements. So reviews, validation of technology, um, validation of processes, standard operating procedures, a review of the assets and the capabilities themselves, how do we manage adverse events, incidents and others, are all part of how we manage and have to consider what can go right and what can go wrong in the context of having machine-led discussion conversations. And I mean, with all that in mind, that really begs the golden question of what do you guys do? How do you go about managing that liability? Yeah, no, good question. And I think I think that's that's very key. Ultimately, ultimately, I think it starts with contractually, there is a separation of responsibility. Legal um, teams and its agents uh, are ultimately Ooh, responsible. Sorry to, um, sorry to interrupt. You oh, there. that's okay. You actually cut out yeah. for a second. Do you mind if I ask that question again? Yeah, 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 absolutely. No problem. <laughs> so with all that in mind, that begs the golden question. What are you guys doing to manage that liability? Yes, good question. Ultimately, it starts contractually. I mean, there's certainly a separation, a real separation of, of responsibility and who does what. I think first and foremost, as I described a little bit, the life science company and its medical regulatory legal agents and staff will be responsible for content relevance, content accuracy, and appropriateness. Um, and they have existing SOPs for this. The one thing that I would call out, Amber, is in the context of conversational agents in life sciences, there is no free-forming natural language generation or responses, right? Everything is pre-structured, pre-approved in terms of a potential answer or response. What the technology does is identify what is the user asking and ultimately let's attach the right answer to it. So as such, all of the answers, so to speak, all the responses are pre-cleared, pre-approved, and ultimately were developed with the client in mind. So that is their responsibility. Conversely, we as a SaaS platform we must ensure that what, whatever content was approved, the right response and the right content are delivered as per that approval, right? So we guard around the platform not being able to do anything else and that any failure points, whatever they could be, can, can't lead to a wrong response or wrong content delivered to a customer. This is where we bear responsibility for our platform doing what was approved for it to do. Does that make sense, Amber? That makes perfect sense. And I think that leads on to something that you brought up just before the cameras were metaphorically rolling, which is when you have yes. kind of these two groups working really closely together over data, then you do that get that question of ownership of, well, who owns this data that we're working with? Who owns exactly what we're creating? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I... In, in the context of where we are today, and, and probably in the year ahead, the real, some of the real questions will become, 
who owns the data and specifically the data sets related to conversational AI. Um, obviously, today, anything that's, that's, that's related to client's product is wholly owned by the client. Um, and, and think of the data sets uh, related to how people ask, search, and inquire about a specific product. But there's also massive amounts of generic inquiries or intents, like what is the dosage of this product? How do I administer this product? Where is it available? And so on and so forth. That are key to training models irrespective of drugs or product per se. Uh, I think to me, the interesting analogy is maybe Google and Google SEO. To a certain extent, every manufacturer um, has contributed to Google's IQ, but at the same time, every manufacturer competitor also doesn't want their competitor to take advantage of all that training. So certainly not an issue today. But it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what happens later on when life science companies, health retailers, and even public providers like NHS develop their data sets related to product and conditions. Um, and there may be less and less sharing moving forward, or I think there's going to be some interesting models that will develop, like, like providing rights under an NDA for machine learning uh, and AI data sets to access data in order to feed some other uh, machine learning model. And ultimately the data itself would remain proprietary, but the models will be openly available. So I think lots of really interesting um, thought or consideration moving forward as again, the data, the, it, the data models will be more key to powering the technology than the technology itself. And I think that seems like a really poignant question to end on and perfect timing as well. So I think with that, all that is left to say is an absolutely massive thank you to you, Richard, for joining me today on the show. I hope you had a good time. <laughs> absolutely. Good questions. Uh, really interesting space. Let's have this conversation in, in a year or two. I suspect things will have completely flipped over and we'll be looking at new issues and opportunities altogether. Oh, I will absolutely hold you to that. And I mean, links to absolutely everything we've talked about will, as always, be in the show notes. Links to Conversation Health will be down there as well. So the, to all of our listeners, have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.